Stay at Home Festival podcast. Producer Trent here. This is Thursday morning's show. Uh, Robin and Josie chatted to Sarah Pascoe and Natalie Haynes with some music from Ben Norris. Remember, you can drop a tip in the tip jar or tip bucket if you prefer. It's all virtual. It can be whatever you want. It can be a tip hat. Cosmicshambles.com slash stay at home is where you can go to do that. And patreon.com slash bookshambles is where you can go to support us at the Cosmic Shambles Network. A quick little bit of tech admin notice. If you've been watching the live shows or going to make a tip and the site has seemed a little bit slower than normal, or you may have got an error that says uh, resource source, resource limit reached. Uh, As you might expect, the site is a lot busier at the moment than it is normally. So uh, sometimes the server hits capacity and it takes a little bit longer to load the page. page. So if you get that resource limit reached, uh, just wait 10 seconds, refresh the page. That usually fixes it. Uh, Unfortunately, we are at max capacity at the moment. There's nothing more we can do to upgrade the server. Uh, We need to get our engineers and go physically go to the server in the studio and do that. And obviously that's not an option at the moment. So uh, just bear with that. Give it a little refresh. Or if you want to watch live or watch the shows, youtube.com slash Cosmic Shambles. You can always go there. Uh, Google servers have got quite a bit of heft. So you can check things out there and then pop back later in the day to check out the schedule or leave a tip and whatnot. Anyway, here is today's show. Hello, welcome to the Shambles Stay at Home Festival. Uh, We should say, uh, warning, it is possibly PG with PG content, like fighting with my family. Yeah, we got that out of the way, haven't we, Josie? I promise you, I'm not going to say a mild to moderate swear word today. It's only taken me four or five goes, but I'm ready to to rise to the challenge. Some would say four or five goes, some would say 36 years. Um, Still one of my (laughs) favourite things is watching you really... Uh, I can't obviously tell the story, but well, I remember one time when we were doing a book club and the front row, we had this lovely thing. We had a grandmother, a mother and uh, a 10 year old boy. And they were all together. They were having such it was, it was during the Edinburgh Fringe. And uh, I said, Josie, just in case. And uh, you went, no, no. And, I, and you did the whole 10 minutes. I'd never seen it. It was like this a long time ago. This, oh, there was every little time you nearly got to a swear. You swerved around with something of beauty. And then right at the end, the full big swear came and you went, oh. But it was a beautiful moment of like, I've made it. And now my brain has allowed me to go free. And oh, the bad swear came. But they enjoyed it. <laughs> you see, you see, that was that was I knew on some level that I was just preparing for it. How are you today, Robin? I'm very good. I'm very good. The uh, I, I, Last night I watched a fantastic film, which I think you've seen already, which I highly recommend to anyone. It's uh, on uh, Netflix. It is Maeve Higgins, Claudio Doherty in uh, Extraordinary, uh, which is a great Irish film. Very, very, uh, it's, it's kind of funny and, and wonderfully uh, weird at times. And uh, it has a nice, an element of a satanic Chris de Burr in it as well. Uh, so that I think will be uh, pleasing for some people. Yeah, I um, loved it. Very much so. I think that also it's just such a thrill to like see Maven it being so effortless and hilarious and like and Claudia too is very exciting. She's so funny. She has such great delivery, both of them brilliant. Anyway, we are joined today. We should tell you who's on. Uh, shortly, we're going to have uh, Sarah Pascoe. Uh, we also have Ben Norris, the comedian Ben Norris, who has just done uh, a new album of, uh, of, of songs. In fact, his first ever album of songs, as far as I know. And we have with us now... Natalie, Natalie Haynes. Haynes. The Hello. Hello. Natalie Haynes. Hey, hey, hey. 
we have loads of questions about the classics for you today, by the All way. Right. So, uh, I'll try and know the answer. I've got a Greek <laughs> dictionary right there. I can <laughs> <just> reach over. <laughs> You've this is an Greek open book interview. <laughs> um, should we start and tell? Um, Natalie, as, uh, if people who are regularly watching will know, uh, we do a show and tell. So people just show objects that they have around the house because uh, most people are digging through all manner of detritus at the moment, thinking perhaps this is the time I can somehow create some element of order in uh, my life. So what have you found, Natalie? Um, I am not digging around because I hilariously, hilariously still have a book deadline because <laughs> I'm <laughs> so far behind it that even though everyone has stopped, I'm still behind. So well done me. Um, so what you've got is something which is on my desk, which I have to reach for quite carefully. I don't do generally do things as carefully. Robin, you've seen this before. You have been in my flat. <gasps> Shocking news from behind the scenes. Robin's been in my flat. Um, but I own, thanks to a gift from my very lovely ex-boyfriend, Dan Mersch, um, I own this, which is a little tiny, can you see this terracotta head of Medusa, or at least of a Gorgon? And a Gorgon head uh, is from the second or third century. A Gorgon head is um, known as a Gorgoneon when it's on its own. And uh, you can just about see, although she's, um, she's a bit battered by age, but then which of us isn't, Robin? Um, you can just about see she has slightly snakish hair. Um, but Gorgonea um, were not scary. The idea of them being the thing, the evil thing that will turn you into stone is something i'll be questioning in my next book uh, i have done that chapter so well done me um but gorgonea were originally um apotropaic so they're protective um and so we have gorgon heads like this on um temples and uh people used to wear them on shields and things like that agamemnon has one of his shield i think in the iliad um and they protected us so they are supposed to protect us from i guess probably um things that are outside so snakes obviously hence the snakish hair but also if you look at a gorgonaeon i'll hold it up again you can see there's a sort of element of like a lion's mane to the structure of the way her her head works with the snakes around it so they're meant to protect us from the dark from wild animals and from things like that and i thought if not now then when do we all need a not very rational apotropaic symbol to keep us safe so you're all embraced under the not turning you into stone gaze of my beautiful <laughs> gorgon head that's brilliant. That's wonderful. Um, High Joe's... caliber show and tell, Robin. This is like an actual <laughs> museum. That's not even my only ancient object. If I come back in a couple of weeks, you're getting my Persephone coin from Damien Barr. Yes, you are. <laughs> <laughs> right, Josie, the bar has been set very, very high now. What's your oh, be? Absolutely. Not the slightest bit worried to show my object, which is a traditional talismanic symbol. Um, <laughs> here it is. As you'll be able to see, there's there's a script on it, and it says after school club most improved player. And this most was improved, to... Josie. Come on, improved, that's what which... you had control over. Come on. <laughs> oh, basically, there was an after school club uh, done by Crystal Palace football team at my school in 1993 uh, to four that year, three to four, and I went every week and I was so bad that I got the nickname goal machine but ironically oh. and um, at the end of the year they gave me this and I was so genuinely affected and moved by getting it I couldn't believe it and then it only took me like three or four years to realize that everyone got a trophy and that this is basically the only one that doesn't admit to any skill <laughs> but I've kept it so I've kept it for 
24 years. And I've never been a trophy, babe. Trophy. Yeah, right. It's here. It counts. I'll show you Michael Leg gave me tomorrow. I'll get that as my show and tell. But I think it's a lovely thing where, because I certainly found that uh, as someone who did not in any way excel in, in sport, very much a kind of hypervigilant individual. So I was always too aware of my body, like throwing a ball. You're entirely aware. And um, you eventually feel that you can't do any of those things. But then when I started doing like training when I was on the tour with Brian Cox um, and we have lovely person Steph, by the way, I, I don't think Steph will probably be watching, but if you are, hello, Steph. Um, and, uh, finding out that if it's non-competitive i can do exercise you know all of that i think some people carry with them so much shame over their inability to do sport at school because of the worry because of the nerves because of feeling like an outsider lots of different kind of reasons and then they don't in any way realize that the fact you can there's lots of things you can do i, I actually you know love exercising now and uh, i just want to say that anyway because i think that is kind of kind of important thing so that's such a beautiful thing to discover at any point any in your point life. In it, your life, and it's so nice that you can discover it. You could you could discover it when you were sixty five. You could discover it when you were older than sixty five. It's it's like always there for you, just waiting, and you can participate in your own way. Beautiful. Because Natalie, you start running. You 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 do a lot of running now, don't you? I do. I do. Yeah. Oh, we all no, do I a lot of like, running now. <laughs> I was in my thirties, um, and I'd always been quite a keen swimmer. I was quite good at swimming at school. Um, and I'm not particularly, you know, I'm not at all coordinated. I'm quite clumsy. Um, I'm really, I'm really clumsy. <laughs> um, but I was always quite good. I'm better in water because I've got massive feet like flippers. Um, and so I'd always thought that would sort of slow me down as a runner, literally and metaphorically. And actually it doesn't at all. It's fine. It means you're less likely to, once you've kind of not tripped over them, um, it's sort of okay. But my coordination is still terrible. So I took up kickboxing mm, a bit over a year ago. Um, so I, that's really helped me a lot. I very much recommend it because then it's, it's still, I mean, there are gu the guys there and some of the um, women there are really competitive with themselves, but nobody is particularly, you know, I'm, I realize I'm by far the worst person there. So no one has to compete with me except like the furniture, but everyone is just really like, come on, you can do this. You can be, I'm consistently the most improved by virtue of having started basically, you know, prone and so it, I always just really love going. I'm missing them terribly. I'm missing my kickboxing gang terribly at the moment. Yeah. We have a trophy shop just cool. around from where I live. I will be going there as soon as they are open again. You will be getting a most improved. Just so Come you know, on. I'm going to make sure. Um, my show and tell is just, it might still be happening. It might not. I, I was meant to be doing the Linda Smith lecture this year down at, uh, at Canterbury. Uh, Oliver Double, who's a wonderful uh, lecturer and, and, and comedian down there. And uh, so I was, I was meant to be doing that. It looks like it's probably going to be postponed. And so I just got an email this morning about that. And something that I was going to do there, I, I, I apologise for this. I, I don't really write poetry. They're just sentences that are kind of broken into different shapes. Um, but when... Neil Innes died. I was thinking about this with with Linda, of course, who was such a great comedian and such a a, a, a lovely human being. And and in January, Neil Innes died. Who was similar or December actually, end end of December. Really lovely human. Being. Terry Jones, not long afterwards. And I have to say, Josie, your shortcuts this week uh, on Radio Four is an absolute delight. You have a beautiful piece of Terry Jones yeah, uh, it's, on it's that. It's great, isn't it? I, I really, yeah, I really, yeah, recommend, I really it recommend it to everyone. It is very uh, loving and great to listen to. I, yeah. I really loved getting to make it and I cried so much just listening to the audio of it. 
really it's really it's, it's terry jones reading some some dylan thomas and uh and the early times when he he had he was just beginning to realize in 2014 that something might not be right um but I was thinking about Linda and I was thinking uh, uh, about uh, Terry Jones and Neil Innes. We were lucky enough, both Josie and I, to, to, to meet Terry Jones as well when we, we made a book shambles a lot, or an, an old shambles a lot, long, long time ago. And I worked with Neil. And uh, I just wrote a thing about the fact that when, sometimes when you meet people, the older you get, the less fear that I have of actually just going up to them and saying, I love your work and this is great and thank you very much. So I just kind of wrote this thing, which I'll probably work on a bit when we eventually do do the Linda Smith lecture. But this is about that kind of situation. Let me celebrate you now as you stand before me while you can still hear the cheer. Don't let me wait until you're gone to be fond. Don't let fear of embarrassment stifle my delight. How worry of impending shame leads us to talk about love only when there can be no response. Derision is easily dispensed, brick back easier to receive an acknowledgement of what our self-loathing knew already. We fumble and blush when praised or when praising, waiting to be caught out and rejected. I loved her book. I loved his art. I loved their mind. Past tense. It's hard not to fear the present. Hard to be present. Hard not to bend under a cynic stare. Keep the volume of things unsaid as thin as it can be. Let it take little space on the shelf in your head. No need to be ashamed of joy, the giving or receiving of it. Avoid the uselessness of regret. Worry you have been overwhelming with your adoration rather than fear you have crushed with the negative. And I said all of that in my head as I saw you at the bar. Anyway, so that was just a little thing that uh, when I uh, after Neil and uh, and Terry Jones died. So that was my show and tell. That's um, great. Uh, Natalie, we're going to go to Sarah in in uh, a minute, but for, and Ben Ben first of all. But I'm just going to find we have loads of questions. The first question, some, somewhere in you've got you've got some of the questions as well, haven't you? Uh, I, yeah, I, I've, I think Josie. I've got them up here. Um, I've been. Yeah, enjoying reading them. Also, a lot of them are people uh, like uh, Helen also exalts me. Um, hi, Helen. I hope you're oh, well. Um, sent hey, Helen. She sent a question saying, do you ever regret getting Andy Zaltzman into stand-up twice? <laughs> Which... <laughs> I don't. I don't regret at all. I take full responsibility. I take zero responsibility for Andy. Sorry, Helen. Yeah, um, 150 years ago, approximately, um, I was doing, I was still a student, so it would have been about my, I don't know, second or third ever gig. I don't think I'd even gigged with you yet, Robin. Um, and I went to do a gig at Oxford because a friend of mine was running an event there. We'd been at school together. Um, and the, the sort of big comedian that they had booked, who will remain nameless for this anecdote, um, didn't turn up. Um, and so uh, I was, you know, I'd got like five minutes or something from doing Footlights. And I was like, well, I could do all the five minutes as I've ever done, because you only used to do them once together. <laughs> Hope for the best. And then this, you know, completely brilliant, crazy looking man um, who was just so dry and so witty, but just com and completely drunk because he was very nervous, um, who turned out to be Andy Zaltzman went and, and was just incredible. And so he only did it because there was no alternative because this other comic hadn't showed up. Um, and he found it as, of course, we all know it is that first gig can be intoxicating. And it was, you know, they were they were such a home crowd because they were really rooting for us to be good because they didn't want to be disappointed. And it was an incredible night. And then I can't remember how long there was between um, that, you know, both of us, me and Andy, both doing comedy as students and then deciding that we'd make it, you know, sort of on the circuit for real or at least give it a try. But there was at, at some point, I think. 
maybe Edinburgh. I mean, it's usually Edinburgh, isn't it, that breaks your spirit into a thousand tiny pieces and leaves you weeping on the ground. Um, I should say that's mainly me. Andy was obviously much more mature about it and probably made some wry remark about cricket. Um, but he stayed in my flat for um, for the whole of for the whole of that festival because I think he sort of realised that you could get a lot of gigs in in Edinburgh, but it was really hard to to do anything anywhere else. You know, there was so much travel; it was so expensive and so soul destroying. And so he came, and I think by the end of it, he'd sort of decided that he wasn't going to give up on the idea of being a stand up, but but would do it after all. So yeah, I claim slight responsibility for encouraging Andy Zaltzman, but I haven't seen him for a hundred years. So hi, Andy. Helen, tell your brother, hi. And also, hi, Helen. I love that. I like when him. I read, first read that question, I was like, that's very rude. And then I went, oh, yeah, it's from his sister. OK, I see. <laughs> Sibling rivalry. Um, there's another. Uh, this is from Willow, who wants to know, uh, what do you think the various ancient Greek and Roman people featured in Stand Up for the Classics would have been like on social media? Oh, God. Uh, Juvenile would have been amazing, been amazing if, he'd re- if he'd been prepared to do it. But he might have gone the Stuart Lee route and just refused by virtue of being simply too cool for school. Um, Ovid would have been pleasingly epigrammatic. Horace would have been really good. Um, I think Euripides, it's ju- he's just above it, so not a chance. Um, uh, or below it, maybe. I think above it. Um, who else have we done? Aspasia. Oh, my God. Aspasia would be like the great Salonista of her time. So, yeah, no, she would be incredible. Um, Agrippina would be too busy plotting your murder. So she's got stuff on. Um, yeah, I think a good. we've got a good variety. We've done 20 shows. So, yeah, there should be a good range, I suppose, by now. Right. We, we've got loads more questions. Uh, and uh, there's one about the graffiti scene in Life of Brian. So just to warn okay. you about that. Um, but uh, we're about to go over to Ben Norris. And uh, first, I was just going to say, by the way, we have a tip jar at the bottom of uh, of, 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 the, of this site. And uh, we're trying to build up money for uh, some of the people who are going to really be up against it. A lot of the kind of self-employed people who uh, pretty much all yeah. the work, whatever happens, all work has for mo- most performers has been cancelled for the next three months. It's all gone, whatever goes on. Yeah, the industry is shut down. And also what we're hoping to do is to give some money to smaller venues. Um, there are lots of venues around the country that exist almost by sheer effort of will. And the fact that everything has sort of been put on pause and that things are so uncertain now will really affect them. So we're hoping just to raise money for lots of different parts of our industry at the same time. So which, places like the Rondo you, and... Sorry. Um, yeah, the Rondo in Bath, which is the the, the tiniest, most perfect theatre in the world, and also really the amount of tickets that most people can sell in Bath. In Bath. <laughs> it's great. So, it's... Yeah. Sorry, I, I I just waved to the camera. Um, you wave to whoever you want. This is your show, Josie, and you are allowed <laughs> to wave. Um. So we're going to um, go over to. Sorry. Yeah, well, I know I was just going to do the same thing, but I don't know why you 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 do it. No, you do it. <laughs> we're going to go over to this is where this is me being a real kind of morning TV presenter. Now we're going to go over to Ben Norris, who is going to play us a little bit of music from his house. So let's see how that goes. What do you think? Great, brilliant, brilliant. Hey Ben, how are you? Hello, Robin. I'm good. I don't normally do um, anything at this time of day except drink tea and stare out the window but um, I'm going to try and attempt to play a, a couple of songs from from my new album and it's you know, your 
your first album as well. I mean, you, you were really into music. I mean, I, I first met you, I think, in Aldershot, probably at the West End Arts Centre, somewhere like that. You ran, a, you ran a gig at the West End yeah. Arts Centre. Yeah, Trap Door Comedy Club, about 1992, 92-ish. Yeah. Yes. That was my sort of gateway into, into stand-up. I used to compare a monthly Sunday night gig there and book people that I'd seen that I liked up in places like the Cartoon at Clapham, which is um, possibly the sort of place I might have met you first. I, I yeah. can't remember. But, but yes, uh, and I used to be in bands, of course, back in those days and, and gave it all up to, to become a stand-up. And then bit by bit, the music has kind of dripped back into my uh, consciousness. And, and about three years ago, I bought a little guitar uh, not unlike this one, but cheaper, and uh, started writing these silly little comedy songs, and they've developed into into a bit a bit of my act, and and I've recorded this album with my cousin Jamie Freeman, who is an excellent musician himself and producer, and he's made a really great uh, product. Well, Ben, what? more silly little comedy songs then. <laughs> okay, this this song's called Jack. This song's called Jack White. It's about the time that Jack White uh, from the White Stripes came to my house. Jack White, Jack White, Jack White, now 
Thank you very much, Ben. Uh, Ben's going to be back with a, a, a song at the end of the show as well. Um, and now we are going to be joined uh, in a moment by uh, Sarah Pascoe, um, who is just coming into the... Hello, Hello, Sarah. Hello, Sarah. Hello. Hello. Oh, oh, we can't, oh, we can't quite hear you yet. yet. Oh, oh. Oh. I think you're still muted. These are the moments okay. that make it real. Yay. Yeah. Hello, Hello. Sarah. Hello. I love the room you're broadcasting there from. There's so much going on there. And yeah. that is such a beautiful painting behind you. I love that. Yeah, my, my did uncle it. did it. Oh, wow. Yeah. And how are you um, in this time? I've, I've been ill, um, like everyone. And, um, <laughs> and I've just, you know, been sad in the house, really. This, this feels really exciting. <laughs> There's so many of us. Yeah. Did you feel kind of wiped out but by then? You felt wiped out for, for a few days? Um, well, actually, for ages, I've been in complete denial about what I had because I'd just come back from Finland and, um, and I thought, oh, it's just, you know, because it was like minus 15 and then coming back here. And then um, yesterday I lost my taste and smell and I thought, oh, no, I'm, just having, I'm having a very mild version. But obviously the fun thing is not even knowing. So you just have to go, OK, I'm not well. <laughs> I'm yeah. just going to stay in a room and try not to infect anyone with whatever I've got. I worry that it turns me into a bit of like a, a raving truther because everyone I know is really like, well, the baby's had some symptoms, but we don't think it's that. Or like, yeah. oh, they've got a fever, but I don't think it's that. And I'm like, it is, it is. <laughs> of course it is. Yeah, yeah. yeah. We'll, we'll, we'll all be redeemed afterwards. The minute they have those like test at home kits. Oh, like, yes. I told you. <laughs> Sorry. Wake the dog up. Sorry. Um, <laughs> Well, that is your. Well, uh, by the way, what were you doing in Finland? Were you just gigging, or were you no, filming no, no, something? No, I was making a documentary that we didn't get to finish um, because of the. So we got calls. They basically closed the airports, so we had like, we had to just leave it. We were we were right at the top of Finland, about to meet the Sami people to go for three days trekking because they heard reindeer, and um, then they were like, "Okay, you might not be able to get out of the country unless you go now." So it was this really. Yeah. Was part of you tempted just to be like, I'll tough it out with the Sammy people? Absolutely not. I was about to start my period and I was like, <laughs> three days trekking, <laughs> um, like potentially like really without toilet access. I was a slightly relieved at the beginning, like an idiot, like, oh, I'll get to go home and lie down. I didn't know I'd never be leaving my house ever again. See, I, my friend has just come back from a month on a, on boat. a boat in Antarctica yeah. where yeah. he was doing um, re re reportage about um, what's going on in Antarctica. And he came back to this and was just like, but, but I've just had a month in isolation. Yes. In yeah. <laughs> yeah. Oh, well, I'm glad you got back. That sounds really yeah, I'm glad you, OK, I must say before I came back, guess who I met? Who I met? Father, Father Christmas. The actual How one in that land. And he was like meeting Gandhi or something. He was so, um, he just vibrated on a different level. And he was just, I, I honestly was trying so hard not to cry. I'm, like, I'm nearly 40, but it felt so real when he was like, he told me he'd put my dog on the good list and that dogs can be on the list for presents too. Oh, I know. I, I found Finland really, I, I went out there and gigged a while ago and the first conversation that I had with the promoter was a really lovely guy. He basically spent, we were in a pub at about one in the morning and he was explaining how when the uh, Nazis came to Finland, yeah. they managed to, to beat them all with no weapons really, just by hanging up trees and punching tanks until they would, you know, it was that kind of yeah. conversation, which yeah. underneath it had this suggestion of, so all we're saying is, I hope you... Uh, 
yeah. I hope you're in good form tomorrow for your gig because this is <laughs> this is how we treat those that we are displeased. Well, that's well, the that's the thing about the Nazis, which I didn't realise. So the Nazis occupied uh, the north of Finland, and um, uh, when they left, they had an air base, which then became um, what, what happened. Nancy Reagan went there for a holiday. They built her a log cabin and because they had native reindeer they then decided let's make it a tourist attraction and say father christmas lives here but actually it all comes out of it being a nazi base oh i feel so complicated it's a rebranding it was literally like let's try and distract from this it's like fun yeah exactly and 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 the designer is it tommy hilfiger who made made the uniforms yeah. Oh, yeah. Um, have you got a show and tell, by the way, Sarah? I got too excited, so I bought loads um, that I think you'll like. This is a potato that my friend Ashling made, so I wouldn't miss her. That's Ashling on the potato. And then um, I got this. This is a necklace, but look, it's the shape of oxytocin. Oh, the wow. Compound. That's good. I thought you'd like that. And then this is a Take That Badge from the 90s. That's a dummy. And then um, I got this is my pointless trophy. Um, oh. Yeah, this is um, Alan Measles, who's Grayson Perry's teddy bear. Um, he's my lucky man. And also, yeah, I've got this. Um, this is a bust of Stalin <laughs> from the Stalin Museum in Gorey. <laughs> well, Josie, on this uh, episode of The Generation Game, let's see how many of those you can remember and you get to keep them. Uh, Leon Trotsky. <laughs> <laughs> There was the oxytocin, the Buster Stalin. There was the uh, uh, the take that badge. Um, oh, Anton Robbins won all my stuff. <laughs> yeah, I don't need my own celebrity pointless prize. That was so funny when, when I did when that, I... and it's the only thing I've ever really won. And uh, I I did the celebrity pointless with um, or pointless celebrities, what it was called, on the day that I was doing your gig in Camden as well, Josie, that night. And do you remember I came and I, I kept my badge on for the gig, and you kept saying, "How did it go?" And I said, "No, I promise." I will not say. And I kept it secret for 18 months because it was ages before it came out. And then I was out in Canada and my son was watching it. He must have been about nine or ten at the time with my dad. And uh, and he was supposedly really nervous. And he said, I know dad hasn't won because I'd have found the trophy by now. Oh. And so each round he'd see. So when it actually happened, it was... Uh, can I you compare hit, and contrast? You the trophy in your house. house. I, I didn't even hide it. I that did plain that sight thing, which oh, is okay. the box was kind of on a shelf, mm -hmm. which as long as... But I, I think I took it far too seriously, not telling anyone what the results were. Can I say, compare that to me when I won um, 15 to 1 and I That's literally amazing. went on stage the same night and told the entire audience the entire story of it. And I got away with it as well. <laughs> But you've just told it on mass media. Our yeah, mass media. I could it's be lying. No, oh, you weren't. Yeah, no, it was true. amazing. <laughs> um, I've got, got loads of questions. Question oh, yeah. Sorry. Oh, by the way, I've got. Can I just quiet. answer? This is for Natalie. Just a quick one. James Thomas says at a meeting at the BHA in 2012, Natalie borrowed my favourite pen. May I have it back, please? <laughs> Specific. I'm so sorry. I'm a terrible pen thief. And for a while, about a year ago, and then I think I lost it somewhere else, I managed to steal one from someone. And I always tell people at book signings that I'll steal them and I won't mean to. And I stole one that literally says Crime Stoppers down the side. <laughs> <laughs> I'm so pleased with myself. I'm really sorry. I'll buy you a new pen. I'm so sorry. That's just a uh, Robin will send you a pen of your choosing. I, I have, and this is just a very small hamper. I literally have seven bags because when I go on tour, especially with Brian, every single.
all the pens every day, so they're replaced. Uh, the Blakely in um, uh, in New York, they had a brilliant pen and a little torch at the end as well. But they've stopped Ooh. making them because people like me they stole them, did they, Robin? Yeah, well, yeah. didn't steal them. They were a complimentary, complimentary pen. pen. And, okay. and, okay. and okay. 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 I'll take the little shampoo. I should, I should it, like to know that know the pen was offered. Was offered. <laughs> <laughs> We've got some good questions for Sarah. Um, <laughs> should I? I, 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 I I'll ask one, shall I? Yes. I'm too excited. Um, okay, um, uh, there are two which are my favourites. So the first one is slightly sillier, and it's from somebody called Kathy Gardner. And oh, she yeah. says, my 10-year-old son would like to know, what do you find most frustrating and why? Oh, frustrating. Um, oh, I th oh, God. Oh, it's so hard when you get asked a question all of a sudden. I know, but what if Sorry. I accidentally something slips out and it makes me look like a really horrible person? I don't, I'm not, I was thinking about when sometimes people swim really slowly in the swimming lanes. And I know that lots of comedians have done stand up about that. For this two, Ward has an amazing routine about it, and so does Richard Herring. But there is something that's awful because you know that people are there to exercise and enjoy themselves, and you shouldn't have road rage. But I do find that quite frustrating. Choose the appropriate lane. Choose the yeah. appropriate lane. Be honest about your speed. No, but the trouble is there aren't enough lanes. Like mm. fast, slow, medium. That's not, that's three distinctions. There should be a hundred lanes. So you can go like quite there. fast. What's that? There should, be one, there should be one that starts fast, slows down. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, or even, yeah, fast in crawl, but the minute I'm doing that, I'm slowing. Everyone's backed up behind me. And then I feel pressure to change my stroke. And then I'm, yeah, that's fast. So what do you want to do? Do you want to have a crawl lane and a breaststroke Breast lane? You can't yeah. be changing lanes yeah. every five minutes. No, of course you can't. You course you can't. And no one should do butterfly because it makes the waves go up and down too much. I, I have a real theory that anyone, anyone doing butterfly in a public pool is basically wanting to tell everyone around them that they're a bad person. <laughs> there's something bad about person. them where they're like, I need yeah. everyone to know yeah. that I'm a terrible person. Here it is. When also, would butterfly ever be needed? Useful, I know. Imagine you off a ship and you had to get a, had to get a mile yeah. to land. You were <laughs> It would be if someone had tied your legs together. That would be the only reason. But then still, you could do that. Um, also, it seems cruel to have named a swimming stroke after an animal that would die if it got wet. <laughs> like, call it the dolphin or something. Don't it call so beautifully. Yeah. On the sea. I um, wonder how... Oh. No, go on. I was just wondering why a 10-year-old would be so interested in a 38-year-old woman's frustration. <laughs> what does he think he knows about me uh, question from uh, for Natalie this is from uh, Lou Manzaroli uh, she wants to know uh, have you ever been on an archaeological dig which is her particular passion oh no I would love to I would really really love to go I got to gig at Vindolanda um, um, I think not last summer but the summer before um, but it was a fairly fleeting visit so um, I hope I'll get to yeah, I hope that would be lovely. Yeah, I would love to. I would love to. Somebody ask me. That would be great. Yes, please. And the other so much sense. Tim Footman knows the graffiti scene in Life of Brian. Yeah. Uh, which is the Romans go home, I think, as far as, as, far as I, I remember, yes. which is then repeatedly uh, corrected by uh, yeah. the, the centurion. Is the final version correct? Do the you know that? The final version is Romani Ite Domum. Is that right? Is that the last version? Someone, anyone? Let's I think it is. That. Yeah, I think it is because ite is definitely the imperative. So that's right. Domum is the accusative of 
of motion towards. So that's right. And I'm pretty sure they use the, the, yes, I think it's right. Yeah, I think it's right. I think it's right. I think maybe in the, wait, I think maybe in the movie he says it's, does he say it's the, he says Domum is the locative and it's not, it's, but it is, but it's still right, if you see what I mean. Um, so it would be Domi, I think, if it were the locative. So yes, I think it's right. I mean, they've got like 85 degrees between them, the pythons, so I like their chances, hey. The um, uh, Sarah, another from, uh, Susie Gage, who's also oh, a no, brilliant Susie. book. And her book's about to come out, and she's one of the people who's lost their um, book launch. So actually, people should follow Susie and see what her book is about because it, it looks amazing. Uh, it is. It's Say Why to Drugs. Uh, we've done yeah. a book shambles, which I think I will be you. out okay. very, very, very soon. But yeah, Susie Gage's book, Say Why to Drugs. Uh, you can kind of download it now and get it on all those ways where we are at Labour Books now. She just wants to know, she says, please may we all virtually meet Mouse the Dog. Would As he like looks to like, meet him? Says, yeah. he looks like a very good boy indeed. He is a very good boy indeed. So he's under the desk. So I'm going to move the computer rather than wake him up. Um, so... Um, Okay, because this is where he likes to sleep. Mouse, I'm going to just... Um, I don't know if you can see him yet. Mouse. <laughs> oh. Do you want to wake up and say hello to everyone? He's just oh. had his walk, you see, so he's having a lovely sleep. I, I can't see how well a view you're giving of him. No, you're you giving a nice view. And he oh, does look oh. like a very good boy indeed. Oh, he's, oh, the he's, the best boy. he's the best boy. And it's so nice being at home with him all the time. That's the real plus of everything that's going on. Yeah. I love that companionship. Happy boy. Happy boy. There we go. Um, I've got a question for you, which is from, from Anastasia, Anastasia Halton. Yeah. And she wants to know, what will your next book be about? Uh, she oh. said that the second like, seemed like a logical continuation of the first. And where are you going to go next? Oh, well, actually, I, I think I might write an, a, a novel first because the third book I want to write, again, I need to do lots and lots of research for, so I thought I might write a fiction book now. But it's very scary suddenly having all this time. Yeah. <laughs> like, like yesterday I wrote a sentence and then was like, slam! <laughs> <laughs> I'm done! <laughs> yeah. Um, procrastination I, is so easy isn't it it's like yeah. i was thinking right so now i've got this lockdown situation i have a deadline for a book i can mm. just concentrate on that or with josie and trent i can come up with an idea where we have to make a show every day and yeah. i can pretend that's my work for the day and yeah. still avoid the deadline yes. yeah but also so there was something that and dolly alderton said which i think is so true about how it, um, people who are kind of treating this like a writing retreat don't seem to be taking it like very seriously. You know, like people who are like, oh, wow, I'm getting so much done. It's like, this wasn't what this is. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Also, I, I'm just like looking at people who are like, oh, I had such a long day yesterday and I'm just like, please take my two-year-old for the day. Just one day. Just take, yeah. just take it for the day. Just yeah. enjoy yourself. Like, oh, oh, yeah. Yeah, no, I, I can hear. I like you. it when I hear her in the background. Mummy! I know. I feel really bad, but she is with her dad. She's yes. not. Yeah, just I didn't just leave her with a little bag of crisps. <laughs> What's um, another what question for? Hang on, hang on, Ben. Hang on. And she's had um, the word crisps. Uh, the uh, <laughs> we've got another question for Natalie. This is from Bill Thompson. Uh, he wants you to tell the. Yeah. <laughs> 
Yeah, that was quite something. Yeah, that really was something. So I had been doing um, the Iliad, which is, of course, a 24-book-long epic poem um, on tour. Um, and you, I think you saw me do it also last uh, summer. So you, I'd done it probably 45 times by the time we came to do the recording of Stand Up the Classics. And that's um, really unusual because normally I write the show. That's the only time I've ever managed to do it that way around. Normally I write the show to order and then I purloin from it for the live shows. Um, and so I knew I could do the Iliad 24 books in whatever it is, 27 minutes. But I didn't realize quite how tight the timing is. But I wanted to record the program as live so that it could go out without edits. I wanted to have no guests. I wanted to do just one where it was just a perfect kind of performance piece, albeit that it would definitely be flawed because I will make mistakes because I am a human being. And I didn't realize that the time zone that you have is... It's 20, it, ha it has to be no shorter than 27 minutes, 15 seconds, and no longer than 27 minutes and 45 seconds. And so that's the only amount of time you have to play with, which is oh, a lot to time, to it, time against. it against. And so I recorded it in the radio theater um, last year in October. And I had, um, I had my iPad with a stopwatch on it, the, counting the time forward so I wouldn't overrun. And I knew I needed to build in the front really long so that I could cut later if I needed to, but I couldn't make it longer because that really would be a disaster. And this is, I can show you this because I have my tour notebook, um, uh, which I could also, but this is the full set of notes. Let me pick a day um, and then you can uh, see what it looks like. This is a reasonably tidy. This is the full set of notes I do the Iliad from all 24 books. So it's not really very much. Um, and yeah, I timed it right down. And I've, I've, it was the closest thing. Adam Rutherford um, was counting the books for me because he was there guesting as my um, scientist on the Aristotle program. So he counted book one, book two, book three, book four. And I could see he was getting slightly panicky when we got to about book 16. And we were at about, I don't know, 23, 24 minutes. And I knew I could get through. I was just, I, was like, I know that, that I bulked out the last bit over the previous few talks so that I knew that it could expand if I had to. And I was like, oh no, it's going to be fine. And I could feel the whole room was getting more and more tense. And I was, and I was shaking. And I never, I wasn't even <laughs> nervous. It was just the sheer physical tension of keeping it all together. And I was like, it's going to be fine. It's going to be fine. It's going to be fine. It's going to be And I got to the final line of the Iliad, which is, Hors hoi gampi upon tafon hectoros hippodamoyo. And so the Trojans buried Hector, tamer of horses. And I hit that exact moment, the final S of horses, at exactly 27 minutes 45. And I stepped back from the microphone and collapsed to my knees because the sheer physical strain of it was so great. And the audience went wild and it was amazing. And I slept about four days later um, because the adrenaline was so high. And I'd done the whole thing on um, calling the caterpillars and Diet Coke because that to me is an acceptable diet, I'm afraid, uh, when performing. And it was all brilliant. And then I had to go back on tour. And then I came back like three days later and I finally got home on the Sunday morning and I threw up every two hours for a day. <laughs> I was like, wow. oh yeah, no, that's a terrible idea. Let's never do that again. <laughs> but it was one of the most, I thought if I could do it, it would be one of the most amazing um, experiences for me anyway. I hope the audience would love it. But for me, it was insane. And if I get, if they keep recommissioning us, I'll do the Odyssey, probably not this coming series because we'll do it without an audience, I suspect. Um, but the series after, I'll, I'll, I'll write the Odyssey and do it the same way, I promise. That's brilliant. The, uh, that is reminds it me of... This sounds? Uh, it is. The whole of uh, Nancy Haynes' Sound of the Classics series 1 to 5 are available for free on BBC Sounds, so please help yourself. The Iliad was uh, the final programme of the final series, so programme 20. 
Regina Regina in now and uh, Sarah, final question for you, which is, uh, have you found any ways, Joe Brand yesterday had, had, you know, various pieces of advice of of trying to get through this because, of course, people are experiencing so many different reactions to it, as Josie was kind of, you know, mentioning as well. And I wondered if you have anything that you think, well, this is one way of of trying to find some way of meandering through this situation which is both very odd and then sometimes strangely mundane and then really odd again yeah well I I actually have to say I'm one of the people who doesn't I don't really think I'm I've found a way of coping yet and I think that's okay I think this is a really unnatural situation situation I think sometimes looking at other people going oh everyone else is making the best of it and I feel overwhelmed is actually completely acceptable I feel just like there's so much to absorb about Mm. what's happening um, but I, um, so I advise anyone who's like got a routine or any, anything like that. I do think there's one thing I was thinking, I was thinking about this kind of stuff, you know, us doing stuff in our rooms now, cause we can't go out. And I was thinking for anyone who's wanted to do something for a long time, whether that's stand up or music or writing, maybe the one thing you can do is like make a, a little deal with yourself that when, when you're allowed out again, you do book a gig, use this time to like write your five minutes because all any of us are doing now is doing it in our bedrooms. Yeah. <laughs> like um, as Madonna said, it has been an equalizer in that way. <laughs> and, uh, and so maybe that would be the amazing thing if, if, if everyone, we all appreciate afterwards, we're so grateful about our lives, but also people use that to go, okay, how scary can it be? I was locked in my house for a month. Just go and do a gig or do something. Also, the Madonna thing, I should say, if you are going to your bath with petals, make sure you have an effective plunger as well, uh, because that will then become an issue. Guys, uh, guys, guys. Robin, are you Madonna's plumber? (laughs) <laughs> no I'm just saying the, the petals are used you know because I thought no. well that looks fun and I've just been plunging and no. petals it's been a disaster some religiously follow the Instagram stories of Stacey Solomon and it shows and it's very sad because what she does is uses a little child's fishing net and at the end of her bath she scoops up all the petals which I presume Madonna also does wow perfume. yeah do you Natalie, have any, in, in terms of the way that you're currently getting through this? And obviously, as you said, you in, in some ways, the similarity is still you have the deadline looming and you were still going to kind of have your own, you know, self-imposed incarceration. Yeah. And I already had crippling anxiety. Crippling anxiety. So really, it's quite similar. All this happened is that now everyone else has too. Um, I would rather it had just been me, though, you know, and the other really anxious people and the rest of everyone didn't have to be anxious, I guess. Um, but actually, I'm doing the sort of opposite, I think, from... Generally, people are kind of going, oh, if you're going to be at home all day, you really need a routine. And I'm always at home all day. And I'm always, you know, I'm incredibly routine focused. I do the exact same things at the same time every single day. And actually, I'm doing the opposite because trying to keep, well, not trying to keep my routine. I never think about keeping a routine. But keeping, doing the same things at the same time that I do the rest of the time is actually making me more anxious because everything else is insane. So I'm sometimes, and I know this is, and you know how big a deal this is for me. I'm sometimes running on a Thursday instead of a Friday. So I know, but normally I run on the same days at the same time every, and that's how I live. And actually, because everything is difficult and strange, I'm having to change that because it's it's making me feel worse, not better. So I think it's okay. I'm completely with Sarah. It's it's okay to not feel okay about this. It's not okay. So p- please don't feel like you should be coping just because those of us who are always kind of. Um, you know, stuck in at home writing or whatever, feel like we're, oh yeah, we can keep doing this. Yeah, I can keep doing it, but it doesn't mean I'm functioning. I'm being propped up by dozens of loving friends who are checking in on me and making sure I'm okay and all of those things. And 
I, I think that connection is what's keeping me upright. So please give yourself permission to feel not okay. And please reach out to somebody if you need to, because I am rubbish at doing that. And other people are doing it at me so that I can't. My cousin texted me yesterday and she said, are you okay? And I said, yeah, I'll text you if I'm not. And she said, how about if you text me if you're fine so I don't have to worry about you? Yeah. Like, oh, God, yeah, that's right. I've got people worried about me. Sorry. Thank you. Sorry. So, yeah, stop being all brave. You don't have to. Reach out. Hi, everyone. Thanks for tuning in and, you know, and being here for us. It was lovely and I really appreciated it. Yeah. There you are. Thank you very much. Thank you, Natalie. <laughs> Thank you, Sarah. Uh, is... Keep up to date with all their, their work, Josie. Um, this is such a small thing, but I've noticed that when I do, when I do go outside, I'm so so aware of birdsong and bees and ants and butterflies and like the smallest natural things around me, and yeah, I find it's a real tonic. Well. Yes, exactly. So beautiful, it's properly making my heart hurt, but yes. in a good way. What I would say is, if you're feeling if you're feeling sort of anxious or um, depressed or scared or any of the very normal reactions to this when you go outside just set yourself the goal that you're going to listen to birdsong and be aware of birdsong and every day you'll hear more of it and it's glorious it's so exciting so that's my tip right we're going to go uh, we're going to finish the show with ben norris uh who ben again can we just have the name of your album because people can go and find out uh there, uh there we are that's ben's album moral vacuum uh, <laughs> Buy the CD on a website called Music Glue, or if you go to my Twitter, Benny underscore Norris, uh, there's some links to download or just listen to it from there. I don't think I can live up to Birdsong, by the way, but I'll... Uh, <laughs> I'll and the Twitter, I his Twitter handle is Benny Norris as well. Um, so, uh, so, Sarah, Natalie, thanks very much. As we said, there's a tip jar at the bottom. We're going to uh, try around to uh, any of the people who are kind of uh, performers, etc., have no work, and also to keep the venues going. So a lot of the people I know watching this go to the kind of venues where Josie and I and Natalie and, and, and Sarah and Ben may be playing, and they are going to struggle as well. So we want to make sure that the people who work there can also still have some kind of, uh, of, of, of wage as well. So thank you very much for watching. We now hand you over to Ben Norris, to Ben Norris. Uh, thanks, this is the closest I've ever come to uh, some sort of feminist anthem. It's track two on my album, it's called Jenny. Jenny won't be pushed around no more. Jenny's been secretly keeping score. She just got back from the hardware store and Jenny Got a chainsaw, all those patronising things you said Remember that time you patted Jenny on the head You forgot, but Jenny remembered That's why soon you're gonna be dismembered Jenny's got a chainsaw Got a ch-ch-ch-chainsaw No putting sorry, no should before You can bleed all you like, but Jenny will ignore There really isn't any point in trying to close the door Cause Jenny has got a chainsaw On a tree, she she got dismantled the patriarchy, but she could dismantle you. You'll see that inappropriate sex toy you bought her, even though you know you shouldn't have bought her. I think you forgot that she's someone's daughter. So you're gonna be about three foot shorter. Jenny's got a chainsaw, got a ch ch ch, -ch chainsaw. No point saying sorry, now you should have before. You can bleed all you like, but Jenny will ignore. There really isn't anybody trying to close the door, cause Jenny has got a chainsaw. Ooh, 
pretty soon bits of you will be dropping to the floor Cause Jenny's got a chainsaw Jenny's gonna make you pay for your sins You haven't got a hope, it's not Jenny getting in You can try and give her your forgive me grin But soon you'll be a torso and a pile of limbs Cause Jenny's got a chainsaw Got a ch 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 chainsaw No point saying sorry, now you shouldn't before You can bleed all you like, but Jenny will ignore There really isn't any point in trying to close the door Cause Jenny has got a chainsaw Thank you very much, Ben Norris. Thank, Thank you, you ben. very much. Uh, just a quick message to say uh, at 6 p.m. tonight, I think I'm right, 6 p.m. tonight, uh, we're going to be talking to uh, Chris Hadfield. And if you have any questions for Chris Hadfield about being in space, about being human generally, he's incredibly knowledgeable and lovely human being. Um, he's everything you want a Canadian to be. I can say that. This really is what is. I was going to say. He's he doesn't He doesn't let you down in what you'd hope he would be like at all. Yeah, he's great. So if you have uh, for Chris Hadfield, you can send them to me at Robin Ince on Twitter or via Facebook account as well. And uh, I'll ask those at six o'clock. And if you've got any questions for, from your kids as well and all of those kind of things, it's really great if we can get those. And we're also going to be joined by J.B. Morrison, formerly Jim Bob of Carter the Unstoppable Sex Machine, who has a new book about David Bowie and uh, alien abduction. He's going to be talking a bit about that. So I might see you at 6 p.m. Otherwise, tomorrow morning, we're joined by uh, Les Dennis and Steve Merchant. And you know what? I can't remember our musical guest, but uh, we'll put that up online as well thank you very much to trent burton thank you to everyone for watching thank you to everyone for coming and coming see, you see you later bye, bye. thanks for listening cosmic shambles.com slash stay at home to leave a tip and check out the upcoming schedule patreon.com slash book shambles to support the cosmic shambles network Back with a new episode, uh, two new episodes tomorrow, uh, Astronaut Q&A tonight with Chris Hadfield with some music from Jim Bob. And then tomorrow morning we're talking to Steve Merchant, Les Dennis and music from Miles Hunt.